All right, guys, welcome back into another fantasy football podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be touching on the New York Jets. We're going to be going over some tight end strategy, especially in drafts, how to spot a sleeper there. We're going to be touching on Le'Veon Bell and his current fantasy outlook. We're going to be getting into Sam Darnold and then who is going to be the receiver number one in this offense. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good episode. All right, guys, welcome back into another fantasy football podcast. We're going to have the New York Jets on this one. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow the Jets beat writers at all, but they're kind of bad. They're hard to get information out of. So that's what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to be bringing in a buddy of mine, Aaron, the Dr. Moyer, if you if you will. Uh, his background is he was a high school football player. He's really kind of a student of the game somewhat. Uh, I've always really loved his work ethic. He puts a lot of pride into his work, which is probably why that's echoed into his career now. Um, his fantasy football style is kind of an interesting one. It's one that really makes sense. And this is something that I would like to preach is that you kind of just know your plan and stick to it. He always likes to go for these younger upside players that he knows they're going to break out eventually throughout their kind of rookie season. Uh, I saw it with Miles Sanders last year, a little bit of A.J. Brown as well. It kind of hinders him at the start of the season, but that also helps you you know, get some waiver wire targets and whatnot. Uh, Aaron, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks, Finn. I appreciate the intro. Uh, pretty good intro. I've never heard someone actually put, uh, you know, my fantasy style into words, so that was pretty interesting. Um, I'm just, I'm a little disappointed you didn't uh, lead off with the uh, back-to-back Jazz <laughs> champion, but that's that's okay. You know, it's whatever. <laughs> I get it. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll get one of those green jackets. <laughs> Gold jacket, green jacket. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Uh, excited to. You know, finally do a podcast, listen to too much of these things and waste too much time. So it's nice to put it to other ones, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's nice to put it together, you know, in your own words and whatnot. Put you know, gather your own thoughts. Why don't you tell the people real quick though about your fantasy championship, what was it, two years ago where you won on like a last second play? Yeah, so so first of all, everyone it's it's still a pretty hot topic, controversial because I went into the playoffs as the sixth seed wild card at four and nine and that kind of PO'd a lot of the league but you know uh the way we do it is we have some spots for uh points for anyway I went ended up winning the championship I believe I can't remember who it was against uh Fulton who you had on previously doing the Miami and the the Green Bay Packers um I know he had I want to say he had Jalen Samuels so it came down to uh I want it was either a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, and it was a Saints-Steelers game. So Juju Smith-Schuster gets this reception, and you might remember this, but then he fumbles it. So, you know, I got – I think, you know, I netted like .3 on the play because it was probably like a 17-yard, you know, reception and only play half-point PPR, but then he fumbled it. And what that did was uh, that kind of iced the game for him because they were about to head into oh, overtime, my. and that – that fumble, that change of possession pretty much ended the game. I ended up winning by, like, 1.1. <laughs> Fulton had Kamara. He had, I want to say Big Ben. He had at two least two players, players yeah. in the game. So, pretty much if that game would have extended that drive and they would have went to overtime, there's no doubt in my mind it would have lost. Yeah, you- Juju Smith-Schuster is still one of my favorite players <laughs> of all time because he fumbled. You, yeah, you had Juju Smith-Schuster. He had Big Ben, and that fumble pretty much sealed it, which was kind of a weird one. And that was, yeah, that was one of the epic uh, uh, fantasy awesome. championships probably ever. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, but let's get into the Jets here. So kind of just the team overview. Last year's wins were 7-9, and nine, which I had to double-check that. I, it just doesn't sound right. Is that right? I, I still, like, don't know on paper. Um, this... <laughs> 
This year they're projected to win 6.5. Uh, that's from VegasInsider.com. Uh, some of their key additions were Perryman, obviously, who broke out for the Jets, kind of, or not the Jets, the Buccaneers last year. They got the rookie Mims. They brought in Josh Doxson, the former uh, first-round pick. And then they brought in James Morgan, the Wisconsin quarterback. He's a Wisconsin native. I like him as a prospect. And they brought in another rookie running back that I like, LaMichael Pirine. And then just recently they brought in Frank Gore. They didn't really lose anyone. It's uh, Robbie Anderson. Um Overall, what do you think? Is this team going to be a little bit better this year, um, just in terms of, I guess, fantasy production and then just NFL-wise as well? So overall, yeah, 7-9, and nine, that's that's what I got too. You know, we're talking about the Jets. You know, I put on my Eric Decker Jets shirt, trying to get excited, but, you know, it's J-E-T-S, sadness, sadness, sadness for this team, right? Um, overall, I, I think they did make a lot of improvements this offseason through the draft and um, – just in free agency, but you know, 6.5 wins for Vegas. Like you said, yeah, I, I might even put them, you know, five, definitely five, six, seven wins. I probably take the under, honestly, I do think they're an improving team, but um, when you look at that Vegas insider um, win totals for every team, the jets actually come out and have the third ranked hardest schedule in the NFL. I mean, they got to go play the AFC West. So you got to play teams like Kansas city, you know, there's no way they're going to win that game. Then they also got to go and they got to play the NFC West this year. And that's a pretty hard-nosed division with, you know, improving Arizona. The Rams are still a good team. And then obviously San Fran and Seattle. So, you know, I think uh, improving team, but they got Delta. Kind of a tough hand this hand this year with the schedule. But, again, you know, it's preseason schedule. You know, you don't you don't know until the yeah. season starts about how these things kind of shake out. Yeah, yeah I, I do love those uh, kind of just everyone breaking down the schedules that just came out. Um Obviously, yeah, they're, I think you kind of echoed it. I think that they're going to be a team that they took the right steps this year. Maybe next year is going to be the year that they finally have a good season. But I think this right. one will be a building block year for sure. Um, yeah, they, I was going to say, like, the AFC East overall, it's it's still it's still a pretty garbage division, but it's going to be one of these fun ones to watch in the next couple of years. I agree. Especially with kind of the turnover going on. You know, the Patriots most likely on a decline here, but – and. You know, Miami and New York looking like they're ascending teams, and then you got the Bills who are always middle of the pack and somehow, you know, make it to the playoffs these last couple of years. So, you know, it could it could be a fun division, definitely a toss. Yeah, I really I really like actually the Bills head coach, but it, it should be a tougher division, right? They got a lot of young quarterbacks coming in, which makes it a little bit more exciting. It's uh it's funny that you mentioned the Eric Decker jersey because I got my hat forward and I got you know the facial hair going, got the eyes going just like Adam Gase. So you know it's an intense yeah. podcast. Yeah, well I don't, I don't want to know what you did to get in that frame of mind. <laughs> All right. Rumors. I don't. <laughs> Let's get into uh, the quarterback Sam Darnold. So for me, I'll just give my quick take on it and then I'll see what your thoughts on it. See if you agree or whatnot. For me. Sam Darnold should have the most talent around him this year in his career. Um, I just don't know if he'll be enough to vault him in fantasy relevance. Uh, you know, you watch the film on him, and he kind of just reminds me personally of, like, Kirk Cousins. I think throughout the season he could be a similar kind of style to Kirk Cousins where I think fantasy-wise he'd be a waiver-wire quarterback where you could start him in a pinch. But he's not a guy that I actively want to go out and draft, either in redraft leagues or best ball leagues, really, um, or even two quarterback leagues. I just don't see the dependability for him uh, season long. Uh, 
look at the starts game that he had. He only had six on the year, and obviously he, he was a little bit injured, and that could have plagued him quite a bit. What are your thoughts on Sam Darnold this year? Do you think that he can be fantasy relevant? So, yeah, just looking at last year, yeah, like you said, he only played, you know, 13 games. Uh, I don't know who who he kissed or whatever, got the mono, knocked him out. So <laughs> hopefully he uh, keeps to himself a little more this Kiss year. Um, overall, I do, <laughs> I do like him as a player. Um, you know, I think he could be someone – in a good system. And like you said, the weapons are improving. Um, I really loved Darnold back in 2018, his rookie season, uh, at the, the end of the end of the season there, he actually had one of the highest Q, I think the highest QBR mm-hmm. in the month of December in 2018. So he's definitely showed promise, but yeah, like you said, for, for fantasy, um, you know, he's ranked around QB 24 at the rankings I'm looking at. Um, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. It's, he's not a guy that I'm going to go out and get at all, especially we, we primarily play the one, one QB league. So he's definitely just a guy you keep on the waiver wire, maybe stream him when the matchup is right. Um, but overall it's, you know, he still plays for the jets. It's a poor offense overall. I do think they are improving. Like I said, they really bolstered the line, but another thing that I, you know, with San Darnold is he doesn't offer any rushing upside. He only had 62 rush yards all last season. Okay, yeah, 13 games, but that's still way too low for me. And that 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 kind of goes into my QB strategy, especially in, like I said, the one QB leagues. I'm looking for, one, a late-round quarterback typically, but I'm always looking for a quarterback with rushing upside. I want a quarterback that can give me more outs, score fantasy points in a myriad of ways, and Darnold just does not offer that. No, you're definitely right there. Um, you did bring up a good point about ADP. I just want to echo this real quick. It really depends right now where you're looking for ADP. I'm looking at fantasydata.com. There's a bunch of other websites out there. None of them are really consistent right now. So if you hear ADP, yeah. just know it could be it could be different. But I would say QB24 is about right. But, yeah, you, you echoed my strategy with the quarterback position. I like to wait as long as I can. It's pretty much just like a zero quarterback strategy. I like to end up on, you know, just right. any of them, really. You can always pick up a solid waiver wire quarterback uh, week to week, and it's pretty much like picking up a defense, essentially. You can pretty much plug and play anyone, and they'll do fine for you. Obviously, you want someone that has upside. Like for me, it was Josh Allen last year where, yeah, I got a lot more exactly. starts out of him than I would have thought originally. But that's definitely the strategy to go yeah. with. I, I just don't see Sam yeah. Darnold as being that quarterback for me this year. I just don't see how I would click his name and draft him. Yeah, you know, you said you kind of hinted at two, B, two QB leagues. You know, maybe maybe really late taking them in a super flex or a two QB league, but otherwise, no. Like, like no. would you be but happy yeah, having – Would you be happy having him be your third quarterback on your roster in a two-quarterback league or a super flex league? Like, I just – I feel like I would be wasting a roster spot. It, it depends on your league yeah. format. Yeah, at that, at that point, you know, I, I typically don't like to roster any – more quarterbacks than I need to, but yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of, I, I, you know, talking about that QB strategy, really like late round with rushing upside, you know, you, you hinted at Josh Allen. That's a great pick. Um, so if you're looking at 2019, you know, the guys I was targeting Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, those guys really good quarterbacks. And now you see this year, they're all getting a bump up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're trying to look for those types of guys, 
that can give you, you know, score score fantasy points in multiple ways. Yeah, so I think the consensus is that we're both not really feeling Sam Darnold this year. For fantasy purposes, we think he's kind of a solid NFL quarterback. He's going to take the next step, it seems like, here. Um, let's get into the running backs. So we got Le'Veon Bell, who I think, one, Le'Veon Bell was hindered kind of by having the year off. Obviously, he was hindered by having the third-string quarterback in that Jets offense. But now we also get Adam Gase coming in saying that he wants to reduce Bell's workload or reduce his touches. Now, Bell actually had a pretty solid season last year. If you look at the starts gained 10 or more points in a half-point PPR league, he actually gained 10, which is actually pretty consistent. If he does that at his current ADP, and like I mentioned, I'm looking at fantasydata.com, they have him right around RB15 or so, which I think would be like a third or fourth rounder. I'd be fine with that even given the news with Adam Gase coming out here saying that he's going to get less touches, I think that could drive Bell's ADP down a little bit more. I think that as the season progresses, you have to give your star running back some carries. We saw that with the Rams last year with Todd Gurley. You know, they, they wanted to reduce his touches, but at the end of the day, if you're not winning games, well, at the end of the day, you have to win games, and then you do that by giving your best players touches. Um, so I think, you know, that will work in our favor for drafts. And then I do want to just touch on the other running backs in that offense right now. It's going to come down to Frank Gore, I think, and LaMichael P. Ryan. What are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell this season? Are you worried about those running backs coming in and taking his workload? Do you think he's going in the right spot ADP-wise? So, yeah, first, you know, two weeks ago was the whole reports. You're talking about, you know, Adam Gase wants to reduce the the workload. And usually that, that coach speak, you always take with a grain of salt. It's like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then they actually go and sign Frank Gore, and it's like, oh, great. But, I mean, Frank Gore, he's 37 years old. I mean, this I don't know how he's playing still. <laughs> and, you know, he has, he has a relationship with Gase back in Miami. So, I don't know. You know, talking about those, those backup running backs, I don't think they're a huge fan huge threat now the big thing with Le'Veon Bell what was so appealing about him was his usage his overall opportunity he ranked 11th in carries in 2019 and 7th in receptions at the running back position so you know that's what gave him that solid floor was he was just getting the 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 rock all the time now what was bad was their their offensive line play was probably one of the worst in the leagues but what they did they went out they bolstered the line they got a couple guys in free agency uh, they got a guard from Carolina that was pretty good, and they got a center from Denver that's pretty good. And then they also drafted one of my favorite players um, in the first round, Mackay Becton, um, who looks to be their, their set-it-and-forget-it franchise left tackle. And, you know, it's always huge when you can get a franchise left tackle because that's kind of that first piece on the line that you want to build and then from there build out. So kind of allows that flexibility across the line. You can get better, better personnel once you can set it and forget it. So overall, I do think that Bell's rushing efficiency can improve with these, these line upgrades. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, the biggest um, thing working for Le'Veon Bell was his, his usage. So, you know, like I said, Frank Gore, LaMichael Pirine, like uh, I don't see them really, being huge, huge threats, but again, it's it's also Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what to expect with him. So, um, like you said, he's going pretty late. Um, I've even you said kind of third, fourth round. I've seen him even creep into the into the fifth round. So I'm starting to dip now. De- yeah, so he de- like you said, some of these signings actually can be a blessing for ADPs like Frank Gore, 
you know, I want to say Carlos Hyde, but of course, then he had a good year last year. But some of these plotter running backs, you know, they're not going to be a huge threat and then they can help drive that ADP down. So um, the only issue I would have with Gore there with with how I'm, you know, going at drafts is just that's also like a wide receiver gold mine is that th- third, fourth, fifth, fifth round. So I think he can be a great pick, solid floor play, especially if you start wide receiver heavy. Now, you know, I don't endorse going out and just drafting need-based drafts just because you don't have a running back means you need to take one you typically want to go best player available but you know at that ADP I think you can do a lot worse I I think you know there there can be some good good upside there yeah I mean just talking about Bell's ADP I've done some mock drafts here and there it seems like he's kind of the last reliable running back we can go out and get you look at I guess Todd Gurley's around there Melvin Gordon's around there uh, James Conner right and he's like the last of those guys, and I'm perfectly fine with ending up on him. If whether he's a flex guy or my RB two, I feel like that would be you know kind of solid, especially you know given his upside. Um, I I I think he hit the nail on the head there though with his usage, but also the offense being a little bit better. It's like if his usage goes down this year, the offense should be better, which should mean that he has more opportunities to score some touchdowns. His touchdowns were really down last year, uh, so it, you know, right. that argument goes both ways with Bell. Um, it basically just, it comes down to, will, will a decrease in opportunity be offset by an increase in, in efficiency? So, Aaron Jones, I mean, he had zero games, zero games of rushing for a hundred yards last year. That's just crazy. Yeah. That, he only had three total, total games with, uh, three games with over a hundred total yards. Yeah. And he still put up, what do you say? 10, 10 starts gained. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty impressive still with how bad he actually performed he still produced. So it's like, what? So I don't know. He's definitely a, uh, an interesting pick and any of these ambiguous guys, that's typically where you find value. I I agree. So if you had to choose a backup, let's say Bell gets injured, we know his injury history. Heck, he sat out a whole year because he was worried about getting injured. He wanted to get paid. Which one would you choose? Would it be Frank or would it be the rookie P Ryan? Let me answer this real quick and I'll have you answer it. So for me, I'm a little bit worried about Frank Gore. Obviously, they know what they have in him. They don't want to give him too many touches. He's a reliable running back. He's a guy that knows the league. You know, you can depend on him, but you don't want to overuse him. LaMichael Pirine, he's a guy that really flashed on film for me. That's why I like him. But he's never really been the true guy in college, and I, I don't see that happening now. Now he could have some splashes in the pan where he has like three solid weeks in a row or something like that if Bell were to get injured. But long term, I just don't see it with either of those guys. Do you see anyone being fantasy, I guess, relevant in a long term sense if Bell gets injured? Um, it's tough. You, you know, like you said, Frank Gore. I mean, thirty-seven coming off his worst statistical year. Michael P. Ryan. You know, I know you liked him at Florida, um, but for me, I you know, I think he's just going to live up to that that P. Ryan name, like. Uh, <laughs> Samache P. Ryan is cousin or something. I don't know if they're brothers yep. or cousins. Cousins, yeah. You know, yeah, he'll probably be like Samaje P. Ryan. So, uh, I really don't. I don't see it with them. I mean, if if somehow they're getting insane usage in this offense, um, possibly. But that's another thing. You know, I, I alluded to the, the difficult schedule. I could see them with a lot of negative game script playing from behind a lot. So, you know. I, I don't know. We'll have to see if Lamichael P. Ryan can catch the ball out of the backfield. But yeah. no, I, I'm I'm not really interested in that unless unless the usage is there for one of those guys. So I, I definitely think it would be a huge, you know, 
running back by committee. And I don't know if Kenneth Dixon's still there or whatever, but Kenneth Dixon, Josh, <laughs> Josh Adams. Yeah. Yeah. They got like 50 running backs. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, but so it's I'm not, not very interested in those guys at all. Yeah. None of them's really eye popping. I, I, I did bring up Michael Piron mostly because I want people to remember his name for preseason DFS. I think he could be kind of a preseason DFS darling, but let's move on to the receivers here. Um, so obviously they brought in a ton of receiver talent. Uh, I think, and they already still have uh, Jamison Crowder. It's really just trying to figure out which receiver is going to be the receiver number one in that offense, fantasy wise, and then kind of just figuring out how high they could end up on the season uh, as a fantasy receiver. Um, we saw Jamison Crowder kind of be useful last year a little bit. Uh, he pretty much had a he had a second best uh, season of his career. Then they brought in Bashad Perryman, who really had a breakout. It was kind of an easier breakout to predict with Godwin getting injured and then Mike Evans getting injured. Might have been vice versa. I don't remember that. But they both ended up being injured, and Perryman stepped up and had a really solid year. And then Josh Doxson. Josh Doxson is a talented receiver. Um, He just got injured last year. For a first-round pick, he's a bust, obviously. But I think he's still a talented receiver. I think that will help the offense enough. And then they brought in Denzel Mims, the rookie receiver. Um, I would say right now for me, I think it'll be um, Perryman, Crowder. Obviously, Crowder is going to be kind of the consistent underneath guy. And then Doxon for the start of the year. And I think eventually Mims will take over for Doxon. And then it's just a matter of not if Mims can take over the receiver number one role. Who do you see as the receiver number one in that offense? And how high do you think that they can finish on the season? Yeah, it's 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 a good question. Um, I I think it's going to come down to Mims or Crowder. Um, yeah, I, I kind of had that same that same projected usage with Crowder in the slot, Perriman at that that Z flanker role, and then I agree I could possibly see Doxon getting some rotation with Mims, but I could see I could see Mims um, taking over that that X that X role sooner than later. Um, you know, overall, just breaking down Denzel Mims, he he was a beast in college. His production numbers, insane. And what I loved about him, too, was he was an absolute dog at the Senior Bowl and just an overall great college profile. So, you know, looking at some of these these receivers that performed in the Senior Bowl at the past, you got like Cooper Cup a couple of years ago, Debo Samuel last year. I feel like he can come into the league right away and, and really – um, produce uh, overall. I love the fit too. I love this pick for for the Jets because I like I like the fit with Darnold because I believe Darnold isn't really afraid to throw into those tight windows and that really fits Mims' skill set. He's not the best separator, but he's one of the most physical receivers that we've seen in the past couple of drafts. Um, he's six three. He's got a ninety fifth percentile catch radius, and in, overall, he's just very strong at the catch point. And that's just something. Uh, you know, Darnold hasn't had. So, you know, I could see him definitely becoming the wide receiver number one in this offense, especially down the line as the season, the season progresses. Um, and I could also, you know, see him being the most productive rookie wide receiver in 2020 due to his, his skill set. And overall, I mean, it's just a lack of uh, competition, in my opinion, in this wide receiver room. So, I, I like him. I could, you know, I could see almost like this year's Terry McLaurin in him. I, I could see that. I could definitely see that. But it might, like I said, take a couple games, but we'll see. I, I could see him taking over that wide receiver one. But the, the other flip side is Jamison Crowder. I love, love me some Jamison Crowder this year. 
I mean, he had 122 targets last year. That was 16th at the position. It's just crazy. He's 13th at the position, 2019 for Yak. Um, you can get him super late, like 8th, 9th, 10th round right now. Obviously, PPR, he's going to be amazing. Half point, I would definitely go out and re- get him too. He's the only receiver right now on this team that has that rapport with Sam Darnold. And he's just a great safety blanket. And then what came up when I was thinking about, you know, Jamison Crowder was I'm thinking about you, you and Fulton that talked about the, the Dolphins uh, last week. And something that came up, free agency moves, uh, Fulton brought up Byron Jones. And then that got me thinking, well, let's, let's think about these AFC East teams. Let's think about these, uh, these number one corners. They got Stephon Gilmore. They got Byron Jones in Miami now. And Xavier Howard. I think Byron Jones is better. He's, he's definitely a top 10 corner, in my opinion. And then Buffalo, you got Tredavious White. So these are, mm-hmm. these are some of the best corners in the league concentrated in one, <laughs> one division. So, I mean, that just leaves Crowder going against these less talented slot corners and just toasting them. So I could see him eating and eating and eating. So especially with those, those corners, too, that, that might be a downside for Mims. So it's kind of a toss-up for me because I love Mims' profile. I love, love the talent. I love the fit. But I love also, you know, the safety blanket that Crowder, Crowder gives. That's a. I like that take about uh, Crowder and kind of those cornerbacks for that. I'm going to write that down and come back to that for preseason per, or for uh, DFS purposes because you're right. The, the receiver number one in that offense, whether it is Mims or whether it is um, <clears throat> Perryman at the time, they're going to be. That's going to be a tough sledding for them. So I think you're right, Crowder. Could be a nice DFS value play yes. when that comes up. I was uh, looking at looking at the game breakdown. So, like for example, Buffalo. That was that they faced Buffalo with Darnold twice. So Darnold started both those games. That was Week One. Crowder got 17 targets, and then it was, I think he got 10 targets the last time at the end of the season. So that's one of those teams with Tre'Davious White. You know, again, Darnold was out a couple games, so he missed some of those division division matchups, but. Yeah, I really, really like like Crowder. Um, and then I yeah. guess Perriman, like, uh, I don't know. I, I one, one rule of mine typically is I don't love receivers that switch teams. Um, I mean, Pro- Perriman, he's, he's entering his fifth year. He's kind of coming off of that perfect storm situation in Tampa where um, everyone was getting injured, and Tampa's a very volume-friendly pass offense, so – uh, you know, I, he just hasn't really proven to be a very reliable wide receiver in his career this far. I mean, again, I have been saying this is kind of a wide open wide receiver room, but I don't know. Maybe best ball drafts. I could, I could see some value for him just because he does have the speed. He offers big playability, but otherwise he's, he's not a guy I'm going to target, but he's, he's going relatively late too. Yeah. I actually really, really like him in best ball drafts. My question for you, I got a few questions here, follow-up questions. So we'll start off yeah, with, yeah. uh, is Perryman better than Robbie Anderson? Just straight up. No. <laughs> okay. I don't think so. I got you. So, I mean, I always really like Robbie Anderson. I think that Perryman right. presents a little bit different athletic ability. It's just whether or not they use him correctly. Um, you never really saw Robbie Anderson get used correctly either. It always were these kind of late performances in the season where the matchup was correct and he was able to exploit it. Um, right. 
I mean, I like Perriman definitely like his opportunity more now than where, where Robbie is now. But, you know, just a one yeah. for one, same situation. I still give the edge to Robbie Anderson, but they're, they're both kind of bigger field stretcher guys, but offer a little yeah. bit different things in their game. Yeah, I got you. So obviously I think I'm I think Perriman for this kind of goes back to our playing styles. I like to get these guys early on in the season when they can produce. And I think that'll be Perryman. And then you like to kind of wait on these guys and get the guys that will produce later on the season, which is Mims. So I think that kind of echoes in your take with this. And then Crowder will be the consistent right. producer. So that makes, that makes a ton of sense. My question to you would be, um, are you worried at all about these rookies or kind of these new players coming into a system like Perryman, like Mims, I guess are the examples here because of the short off season, because of the, less time that players and teams will have together before the start of the season. Are you worried about that at all where, you know, a rookie might take a couple more weeks to develop into that system? Yeah, that's actually a great, great point. Uh, I've heard it brought up a couple times now. Yeah. Especially with rookie wide receivers. And this is a class that's just full of guys that can really do some, some damage, but no, that's a great point. If, if that off season is shortened, it could really affect them. He, because, you know, it, it takes time to build rapport with the quarterback. And, um, you know, the receiver position is a very finesse position. It's a very technical position. Um, I don't think it would affect, like, the rookie running backs as much. That's a very interdependent position in my, mm-hmm. you know, opinion. It's, you know, yep. if you have a good line, just see gap run, you know, see hole run typically. Obviously, it's a little more complicated than that, but <laughs> – yeah. You know, with with receivers, it it's definitely takes a little more time. So I I would I would pay attention to how this off season goes and how much time these players get to to practice and learn the system and everything. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that could be a factor for sure. Yeah, the preseason will tell us a lot. I think about a lot of these teams. Now I did mention the Jets beat writers are. are for me personally, especially with like when I try to do preseason DFS, they're some of the worst. So they might be a little bit harder to figure out. Um, we'll touch on the Titans here in just a second, but like there's a lot of the, the only articles coming out of the Jets last year was like Chris Herndon and how he's going to break out and whatnot, uh, kind of the last two years. Uh, and like the Cannon guy from last year as well, the running back. But uh, just capping off the receivers here. So I could see. Perryman, then this is kind of my bold take. I could see him finishing as a receiver 25 in half-point PPR leagues or just across the board. I know you're a little bit higher on Crowder and Mims. Could you see either of those two finishing as receiver 25, or is that just too high or too low? Yeah, this is kind of funny. You know, it, it, This just goes to show how we have kind of different opinions on these guys, that this this wide receiver room is just it's up for, the, for grabs. So I wouldn't I'm just saying the big takeaway is you can take any, any one of these guys and it would be a good pick. Now, yes, I like Mims and Crowder. I could I could definitely see them, yeah, one of them finishing wide receiver 25. I really – I think if I'm going to choose one guy to really plant my flag on, it's probably going to be Crowder um, just because of that, that safe target for Darnold and usage. I could really mm-hmm. see him, you know, becoming a wide receiver too as his ceiling. Um, and some, you know, like a set it and forget it flex play. So I, I, I think I like Crowder the most. I could see him creeping up towards that wide receiver 25, definitely in half point PPR and, and, and PPR, forget it. I'm, I'm targeting Crowder yeah, eighth round seven. I would even go up to the seventh. I don't know. We'll see. 
I, I love Crowder. Obviously, I'm not going to try and reach. You'd always try and do a little game theory, see where you can get guys. But I love Crowder. Yeah, this roster. roster matters and whatnot as well. Uh, I, I like that take with Crowder for sure, especially after what we just talked about with uh, new players coming into a, a system. I, I agree with that. Um, I think they're all going to be bad. Uh, good players to target in best balls to be honest with you because i think they all could have four to five weeks where they have huge upside and you're getting them at a low cost typically for me drafting in best balls i like to look at it a first rounder you want to see as many starts as they can get you at like 16 starts obviously there's 16 games in the season for now there'll be 17 next year but after that you know round two i want to get like closer to 15 as i can as the rounds go lower that's how many starts i want to get so for crowder it would be like six or seven which i think will get that out of him um it's just whether or not he has those big weeks um and then kind of just the last thought on the receivers here um is there anyone else like do you think josh doxson will do anything or do you could you see him getting cut uh, yeah, forget Doxson. It, it, it's kind of been between Doxson and Devontae Parker. Like, who's actually going to do something or who's going to be the perennial bust? Uh, yeah. Parker won the race, so by, you know, Doxson, just get out of my face. You're done, you know. You're, <laughs> no one's going to remember. Yeah, just... It's, it's Jalen Rager time now, baby, for TCU wide receiver. So, Doxson, I'm not worried about him. <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's a redundant asset with Mims. Like you said, he probably mm-hmm. might – might start the year rotation at X, but I, I definitely see Mims just being out Doxson. And so I, I, I don't see Dox. And then Anunwa, I'm pretty sure, is he even playing anymore? I think he's – he might be declared So he's injured. Now. He's on the pub. Yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's on the pub he's, he's list just, right now. I mean, I liked him, but he, he's a guy yeah, that never really, really hit, but he had that talent profile that I liked, but yeah. – yeah, I really think it's unfortunate, guys, and that's it. I agree. It kind of reminds me of the Jaguar situation like two years ago where it was, what, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, and then who was the other guy that they brought in? It was someone from, like, the Colts, I think. Um, man, I can't think of the other guy right now. It's You know what I'm talking about, though, where yeah, they kind of all held fantasy relevance well, yeah, throughout the season. Yeah, no, it's a good it's, – it's kind of like, yeah, everyone was taking one of these guys like a round of hearts or in the same round mm-hmm. and just trying to get a little piece of it because, you know, it's hard to tell who's going to rise to the crop. So, yeah, yep. I can – it's a good good comparison. Okay, so I think we got the receivers and I'm pretty good. Let's get into the tight end. So, for me, I do like Chris Herndon. You watch his film at the end of his rookie season. It was pretty solid. Uh, I, I really felt bad for anyone that rostered him last year just because he took up a roster spot throughout the whole freaking year, and that can really hinder you in fantasy football when you lose all on those roster spots. And then they have Ryan Griffin there as well, who I think Ryan Griffin, not, he's not a fantasy tight end, but I think he's a solid NFL tight end. So without unreliable Hernan has kind of been, obviously last year, I think Griffin could get a little bit more playing time this year then people are kind of predicting. What are your thoughts on this tight end situation? Uh, over, I think, Herndon, you know, as long as he's healthy, he'll be the starter. Um, I, I really like Herndon, too. It, it's undeniable what he did his rookie season in 2018. I mean, he, he came out strong, um, produced pretty well. Just he, he, looked, he looked like a guy that was ascending. Um, and then 2019 mm-hmm. was just uh, sadness ensued. So I was one of those guys that was like, okay, we're, we're going to get our late round guy and then uh, we'll, we'll pick up Herndon if the, the late round guy doesn't, doesn't hit. And so I was waiting to pick up Herndon. Luckily in this, at this jazz league, you know, with my late, we talk about late quarterback. I also go late round tight end. 
I got mm-hmm. Cooper, so I didn't have to worry about it. But but in other leagues, I was you know really really count on hurting, and really hurt me. But uh, you know overall this year for fantasy, it's not like he's going you know early or anything you know it's it's not a guy you need to draft if you like Herndon don't draft him he's gonna no one's gonna draft Herndon okay you can keep your eye on him on the waiver if he starts you know to pick up steam you know that that first week he gets seven targets you you pick him up you know um other than that you know I I wouldn't wouldn't draft Herndon and obviously like you said Ryan Griffin is He's not fantasy relevant. I don't care about Ryan Griffin, really. <laughs> I mean, even last year when Hernan was out, he, I think he held fantasy relevance for like two weeks where the matchup was right, and he barely did anything significant. Uh, yeah, the Hernan thing is interesting. I, I do like your point about waiting on tight end. I think that's typically the right strategy to go with as long as someone doesn't fall that shouldn't. Uh, you know, Hernan's a guy that, you know, once again, the preseason will be telling if he's catching on in the preseason and the hype starting to build. Yeah. He's a guy that we could think about drafting late in rounds, but currently I think you're right. I think we don't have to have to draft him right now. Uh, and I guess here's a question for you with the tight end situation. You mentioned you got Hooper and you mentioned you had Herndon with those late round tight ends. Do you think that that kind of hinders you sometimes having two tight ends on your roster that one might hit or one might not hit, or is it just a matter of it's early on in the season? We don't know um, some, you know, the, what's going on specifically. I just want to draft these players with talents and see which one pans out. Yeah. So, so, so typically, yeah, I, I go late round tight end. I, I don't typically draft two tight ends. It's just, you go late round guy and then you, you're, you're always checking out the waivers, you know, unless, unless this late round guy panned out, like for me, Austin Hooper. Um, and this year I, I love mm-hmm. the options late. There's a lot of good options late. So right. even, yeah. even 2019. So if you're looking at late round tight end strategy, that's where you got, you got guys like Mark Andrews, Austin Hooper, Darren Waller. Darren Waller. Exactly. So I love the late round tight end strategy. And this year is no exception. I think there's even more late round options. So I typically will just draft one tight end, draft them late, some guy that has, you know, you're always looking for the biggest two things in fantasy football. As easy as you can break down fantasy football is opportunity and talent. You're looking for once opportunity meets talent, that's 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 the gold mine. So there's a lot of talented tight ends late that have good opportunities. So, you know, I think you just draft draft a guy late. If he's not panning out, you keep your eyes open on on the waiver wires, and that's that's what Herndon will be, you know, in my opinion. Unless someone drafts him, and then you know they'll probably drop him. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I like that strategy with tight ends, especially late round, because typically if you're drafting a tight end late, you you kind of have a few that you are targeting, and if that guy hits, it's really kind of a separation point uh, for your team. Uh, week to week because that's like at least three points on average where you're gaining on someone else that might be starting Blake Jarwin or you know something like that where they're forced to start a tight end so I do like that strategy quite a bit um the late round quarterback where you know the the value over stream isn't all that that large so um you know I tight end you either go super early or super late in my opinion but I think the risk of Taking a tight end early and b- busting is not worth it. That hurts you, and that's it why I'd rather a lot. go late. But you know, these middle round tight ends, like tight end five through ten, typically don't want any 
any part of that. I, I went against it last no, year. Because... Got OJ Howard and slammed the table a couple times. Yeah. So, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. I, I loved Evan Ingram last year, and he got injured. I like that. I like that quite a bit. Uh, do you have just any closing thoughts, uh, just any random thoughts, any fantasy football takes? For me, I'll give you one. I've, I've been watching some Dawson Knox film. I'm about to do a Buffalo Bills YouTube video and podcast. I think that guy could be my late-round tight end. Do you have any sleeper talks or anything like that? Well, since we're on the topic of tight end and you talked about the Dolphins, I, I gotta. I felt like you guys did Gusecki dirty. I love, love Mike Gusecki this year. That's the guy I would target. Um, you see, he had 89 targets last year. That was seventh among tight ends. Now, yeah, you can say it was pretty much when Preston Williams got hurt, but you can say the same thing about Devontae Parker, and I feel like Parker's getting way more hype at wide receiver than Gusecki is at, yeah. at tight end. And Gusecki's, you know, freakish athleticism. So I, I love I love Gusecki this year. Uh, Miami was number four in pass attempts. I, I see him continuing to produce. I feel like it was a, it was a situation where it wasn't like Preston Williams got hurt now we just, you know, next man up and okay, good for him. I feel like it took that for them to realize like, oh man, we got, we got a player here in Mike Gusecki. So, and I know you brought up also Noah Fant. I think that's, he's, he can be a great pick, another super athletic freak at tight end. Um, but I, I give the edge to Gusecki just because I feel like Fant is a little more competition. The other thing I want to bring up with tight ends is typically tight ends and running backs they cannibalize each other's target shares. So you typically want to find a, a tight end on a team that doesn't have a super uh, pass-catching running back. So, you know, with, with Miami, it's what, Matt Breida. We know Jordan Howard can't catch the ball. And, you know, I do like <laughs> I do like Breida, but still, versus, you know, Fant with Melvin Gordon. Now, again, Melvin Gordon was playing with Phillip Rivers, and that's, you know, Rivers loves to throw to the tight end, but. That's another piece that I look for is that running back versus tight end targets. So I do like Gusecki. Um, you know, other sleepers I like. I, you said it in the opener. I really like looking at young players, potential second-year breakouts, uh, rookies. I think a lot of these rookies, this is just a loaded class at wide receiver and running back. Um, but, you know, rookie, especially rookie running backs I'm looking for later. So typically what I like to do is get get those stud running backs, set and forget, but then go for upside with rookie running backs. I really like Cam Akers, obviously, over in uh, mm -hmm. L.A., the Rams. You know, Daryl Henderson really didn't do anything last year. And Daryl Henderson had two big plays that people just hyped the shit out of, and I, I just I hate when that happens. And you obviously saw them draft Akers for a reason, but continue on. That, that's just the passion point for me, continue on. So, I mean, Henderson had his chance, you know, your time in the NFL is fleeting. You either, you, you either rise to the occasion or you, you work at McDonald's next year or something like that. <laughs> or you're Frank Gore. And you're 37, but, yeah. but, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, I love too. I know you like Ronald Jones, but we'll see. You know, I hate when people talk about well, that like the pass blocking abilities of a running back. But the one time I think it matters is when you got forty three year old Tom Brady back there, so I could I could see yeah, Bruce Arians, yeah. you know, you know, 
swigging his scotch and saying, "Get get the, get Rojo the hell out of there!" <laughs> once once Tom Brady gets lit lit up, and I really liked Von. Well, we saw that really last year. We saw that last year a lot with Rojo. So that's a right. real quick. Let's touch on that. So for me, I think Ronald Jones will beat Sony Michelle, and I think um, Vaughn could be a mixture between Burkhead and White. Um, where Ronald Jones is like the first and second down back, and then Vaughn is everything else, essentially. Uh, I think that's how it could start, and then maybe it'll develop into Vaughn being a stud. This kind of goes back to our philosophies. I like to draft a guy that's going to produce right away. You like to kind of wait on these sleeper guys that can really vault you in the playoffs. Um, is that? I mean, is that a good take, or what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I See, I think Vaughn could come – come out late season and be you know the the number one guy like you know Miles Sanders last year we'll see that's why I love these rookie yeah. running backs um that, <laughs> that project to have you know opportunity there's only one guy in front of them these are the guy kind of guys I'm targeting in rounds you know seven eight nine uh, I feel like the upside you shoot for the upside more in those rounds you know I'd rather have Keyshawn Vaughn than like a Tevin Coleman or something like that. I don't know. Well, you know, yeah. so that's like you said, yeah, that's typically what, what I try, try and go for. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I also like oh. another guy I really like late running back. Sleeper. Okay. Another rookie is Anthony McFarland jr. For Pittsburgh with, you know, James Connors injury history. I mean, he, he showed last year that he is, uh, you know, he wakes up every morning and he breaks his legs then I go down the stairs to break my arm. Whatever that SpongeBob thing is, that's that's James. Yeah, yeah. And I really like the, the talent profile of Anthony McFarland. There's so many of these good just running backs that you can get late rookie guys that I'm definitely throwing darts. And if you if you can get one of them and they they produce that, I mean that's that's what wins you fantasy leagues at the end of the day, right? Because you don't win it at the draft, but if you can get some of these dart throws, you know James Conner goes down week two and you still have. McFarlane there and he he gets that you know RB1 role that's that changes everything so I like those guys late and I also like some of the rookie wide receivers but uh you know I, I do agree what we talked about earlier it might be a little tough this year with the whole virus stuff shortened off season so definitely yeah this yep. is this is going to be interesting just year with all the rookie talent that we have it's just it's a little bit harder to pinpoint when these guys are going to break out and kind of who just because it's so loaded. You can't I think it'll be harder to wait on talent this year rookie wise because of how loaded the rookie class was talent wise. I love the running backs and I love the receivers. We might have to cut one rookie to pick up another one that's, you know, starting to pop and then eventually that player will fall off and then you have to go back and pick up the other guy you had. I think that could be the headache this year where it really hasn't been the last few years. It's kind of been a little bit easier to target which players to go out and grab. I remember last year I tried to trade you for Miles Sanders, I think, a few times on in both of the leagues, and you knew not to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing I was going to bring up. It, this is this is the toughest part about all this is, you know, you don't want to waste a draft pick on these guys. And some of these guys, you know, they will go drafted. And then what will happen, they'll be dropped by week four. Then you pick them up week six, mm-hmm. and then, okay, week eight on, they're an RB1. <laughs> so it's it's tough because you don't want to burn a draft pick, and that's kind of what I felt with Miles Sanders last year. I drafted, I drafted him in the sixth round. I loved his profile. You know, I wasn't afraid of Jordan Howard. 
uh, it still took Jordan Howard injury for them to really feed him. But uh, he was a guy where it was like, you know, I probably didn't have to waste a sixth rounder on him because I feel like if anyone else drafted him, he would have been on the waiver wire there and I could have scooped him up and who knows mm-hmm. who I could have gotten sixth round to help. So that's something I'm still trying to, you know, tune with my, with how I approach drafts. That's a tough, toughest part so far. So that's what I'm still trying to learn is, you know, do, do you really want to waste a roster spot? Because I held Miles Sanders in both leagues the whole year. Because I was, like, I was expecting yeah. him to go off. Luckily, it, it worked, you know. But, you know, there there were weeks where I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. This guy's looking pretty good. Miles Sanders, yeah. like, yeah, I love the, the talents. Opportunity hasn't been there yet. So that, that's a, that's been the toughest part for me with my drafting strategy is, you know, do I really have to throw a seventh-round pick on this guy? Or can I just wait till week four and pick him up off the waivers when, you know, whoever picked him in the draft is going to drop him, you know, because usually, like you said, these players don't, they don't flash right away. It's not going to be, you know, like a Jonathan Taylor, Clyde's Edward Hilaire. Yeah. Those guys are going to hit a lot sooner. In the yeah, season. That's but, simple. Yeah. So I don't, you yeah. know, I don't have a great answer for that, you know, what I'm going to do, but <laughs> that's something I'm still battling with. No, no, I like that. I mean, when I'm drafting, I typically like to look at how long I can keep a certain player on my roster. Even with waiver wire moves, it's like, how long am I going to be picking up this guy from my roster? How long can my roster handle having him on there? And for you, it worked out well with Miles Sanders, but you're right. A lot of the times you can get these rookie players, especially running backs, like week four, week five, when people, you know, stuff happens throughout the fantasy football season. They have to drop these guys that they really don't want to. And then you kind of you have your roster situated where you can pick them up, and that's where you can really separate yourself. All right, and that wraps up the show there for the Jets podcast. We'll be posting the video on YouTube as well. Make sure to be checking out all the places 9to5 is currently. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, pretty much just at 9to5sports. All right, thanks, guys. We're out. We'll be catching you guys on the next podcast to talk over – the Patriots, and then the Bills all next week. All right, thanks, guys.